0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Borellis. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.
0: Hello and welcome to Musicals with G's and I'm Jess and oh no, Andrew isn't here. Oh, but he did leave a letter. Dear Jess, sorry I can't make it today. Elon Musk called me to work on his Martian weed plantation this week. Andrew. Well, what am I going to do? Who's that at the door?
1: (gasps) We have another Jess. Oh,
0: my gosh. This show will only ever consist of Jess and Andrews from now on.
1: Well, now you've just been cloned. (laughs) Um, I'm Jess Cook, and I'm from Australia. And I'm also a Carrie nerd. (laughs) So thank you for having me on your wonderful corner of the Internet.
0: Yes, yes. All four of our listeners will be so thrilled to hear you.
1: (laughs) And all two people who know me and know that I love Carrie will be like, yeah.
0: Yes. So today we are talking about Carrie again. um, Andrew and I talked about it previously, but today is a bonus episode where we go deep into it. And Jess and I will talk thoroughly about its production, what went wrong and our opinions on its adaptation through it all.
1: Yes! Not me.
0: Why not me? Oh, I anticipate the Snickers, and I expect the kids will stay. So, Jess, why don't you tell your history with, like, Carrie as well as how you ended up on this podcast?
1: <clears throat> well, um, so I discovered Carrie on Tumblr back in, like, 2013. It was around when the revival had just come out, and I don't even remember what I was looking for, but um, I just so happened to find um, the Broadway audio of the song And Eve Was weak, which is one of the best songs in the show, spoiler alert. Um, And, yeah, I just got really fascinated about it because obviously I'd heard of the Stephen King novel and the film, like the 1976 film. And, um, yeah, it was just kind of love at first sight from there. I've written essays on it and, um, like, and I kind of uh, fell out of it for a little while, but then, um, 2016 came along and I was in a really bad place. I was, um, in a relationship that, um, didn't treat me very well. And then, um, I found Carrie again and I was just like, oh this is really interesting to learn about and um that really brought me back into the theater world as well and like it gave me purpose again and that's and like it's not even the story itself that i really connect to it's just the fact that um it was there when i needed it and it gave me purpose in life again and that's why i'm here being complete theater trash and um deciding to pursue a career in acting again
0: that's fantastic that's actually wonderful i'm sorry that just yeah. touched my little shriveled heart Ah. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> there might be a palpitation yeah, and, to um, it now
1: <laughs> and because of it um because of how much it touched me i've got a tattoo of the um logo of the original production on my right rib oh shit um
0: is there any way yeah, we could get a photo in- of that for like uh, i mean an appropriate photo of that for the show notes <laughs>
1: Yeah, I've actually got one on Twitter somewhere because um, I got the tattoo this January. Um, so, yeah, hurt like a motherfucker, but it was so worth it. This is why you don't do your first tattoo on your right rib.
0: <laughs> would you get another one?
1: Hell yes.
0: What would you get? Would it be Carrie related?
1: No, um, I have other ideas of tattoos that I'd want because um, I was just in a new musical called The Rest is Drag, and um I wanted to get a tattoo that kind of represented that because it's my first role in a musical, um, like professional role in a musical. And I really wanted to commemorate that. And I've also got ideas of like, um, this thing that Ben Crawford, you know, that guy who's in Phantom of the Opera.
0: Yeah, the one with the faces. I don't know.
1: Yes. Um, that guy, um, he wrote a tweet uh, a few months ago where he was like, um, stop trying to tell actors that they can't be tired because they're doing what they love. He said, I'm always tired, but always fulfilled. And I really want to tweet him and be like, hey, can you write this down? Because I want to tattoo it because it looks, because it, it just sounds beautiful. Like, that's what I want in life. We're just getting too deep. We haven't even got to the musical part yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is where I step into the story. Um, for a while, mm. you would consistently comment on my video saying, please do carry the musical.
1: Guilty as charged.
0: Like it was a consistent thing. Anytime I'd post anything, and I didn't post very much. Um, you would say, "Do carry." I was we'll do excited. Carry. Um, and then I ended up following you on Twitter because you actually have a good Twitter that posts funny shit. And I,
1: I honestly geeked out when you followed me on Twitter. <laughs>
0: you, you really shouldn't have.
1: I did because I'd watched you for so long and I was, like, really excited that um, somebody I looked up to and who inspired me to, like, research carry to the depth that I have um, followed me on Twitter. Like, I'm actually writing a whole thing on the history of the show. I haven't finished it yet because life keeps getting in the way. But I've been writing it um, and that was really inspired by your episode on Phantom of the Opera, that three-part, like, epic on a musical you don't even like.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, that is that is what I'm known for for the rest of my life. Probably. (laughs) I've won awards for films, but I will be remembered for that 90 minute family opera review.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's like me doing a review on guys and dolls because I really don't like guys
0: and dolls. The sad part is in making that video, I grew to like Phantom more.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's the sad part. Like, like, going back to Carrie, there were songs um, that I that didn't really pay much attention to before that I ended up really liking. Like, there's a cut song from the Stratford production called White Star that I didn't really pay much attention to before. But then I was just like, oh, this is such a good song.
0: Well, let's go into the original production. Let's skip over the book and all that, like the diploma film, because that's not really important. We're all Carrie the Musical. Yeah, Forget all that stuff. We all stuff. know about that. If you want that, go to the Wikipedia page. All right, so let's talk about the original Stratford production where basically everything went wrong and they were all in togas.
1: Gladly. So um, so the production was kind of inspired um, back in, I think, 1981 um, because uh, Michael Gore and Dean Pitchford, they just won the Academy Award for fame and they were looking for their next production. So um, I think it was... Michael, it was either Michael Gore or Dean Pitchford um, went along to the Broadway production of Lulu um, with the screenwriter from the original movie, uh, Lawrence D. Cohen. They went to see Lulu, which had just been, um, they'd just written a third act in because uh, their original writer didn't, the original writer um, actually passed away before it was finished. Um, But they watched that and they kind of looked at each other and they were just like, if, if Alban Berg, the writer, was alive, he would have written um, Lulu for the Met because it was kind of revolutionary at the time. Um, so they kind of thought, hey, we could do that with Carrie. So they really liked the kind of operatic um, style of Lulu, so they really wanted to apply that to Carrie, like particularly I reckon the Carrie and Margaret stuff, which is I think why that there was such a focus on uh, carrie and margaret in the original production like that's what people remember about it that's what everybody thinks is genuinely brilliant and then the rest of it is just like hey have some cutting room rejects from fame like literally the song what a night sounds exactly like um holding out for a hero which is another song that they composed back in the 80s seriously like if you listen to the back-to-back it's just like the same kind of beat so anyway to the stratford production um, they, <clears throat> they did a workshop in 1984, which, um, ended up doing really well. And they were interviewing different, um, directors like, um, one, one notable example was Bob Fossey.
0: Oh, wow. That was. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, can you imagine, um, opening act two, like when I think of the musical, um, act two opening, which was in, at the time out for blood, which is glorious. Um, I just think of, um, somebody narrating ladies and gentlemen. Chris Harkinson in an act of desperation. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's just what I imagine Bob Fosse would have done. But um, Bob Fosse apparently wanted to take it in a lot more of a darker direction, and I really wish we would have known what that was. But um, unfortunately, he died in 1987. So, yeah, they um, ended up getting Terry Hands as the director.
0: Who uh, wasn't that good a choice, was he?
1: (laughs) Yeah, because... Carries a very American production while he's a very very British man, and there's a bit of a funny story about that because um, the producer um, Fran Weiss, uh, what, Fran Weisler, yeah, Fran Weisler, um, she said to Terry Hands, "It's like Greece," talking about the musical Greece. He thought it was about the country. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> He thought it was about the country and that's why it's kind of looks like a greek tragedy and they're wearing greek togas and stuff so that's so basically the reason why it looks so weird is because of just a sheer misunderstanding
0: and no one corrected him
1: no no one corrected him i don't know why no one did that but it just kind of happened that way it's like
0: when no one corrected help Prince and the t-shirt thing and merrily we roll along no one thought hey maybe this isn't a good idea <laughs>
1: I actually, I'm not very familiar with Mary Lee roll or you'll have to fill me in on that. There's a
0: great documentary on Netflix. It's fantastic.
1: Ooh. But, yeah, um, they got to, um, they, they obviously, they, um, they couldn't get funding for a little while, and they finally managed to get it in um, 1987 when they, um, when they finally got their right producer in, which was Friedrich Kurz. Who's responsible for bringing a lot of like Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals to um, German-speaking audiences? He's the reason why Starlight Express has been running for the last thirty years in Germany. Whoa! Shit. They they love Starlight Express. They have a whole theatre that's dedicated just to Starlight Express. <laughs>
0: My God! I don't know
1: why. I don't know why.
0: Isn't there a kind of a similar situation with Mamma Mia in the UK?
1: Um, I actually don't know, but it is still running there and so is Les Mis and so is The Lion King. Oh man, so many. They're just still there. Same as Chicago, who should probably close. That's the tea. I actually like the fact that, um, Charlotte Damboise, who played Chris Hagenson in the original production, she's basically been playing Roxy on and off for the last 20 years.
0: You gotta find a gig though. You gotta get keep it.
1: Yeah, like whenever um whenever there's not a celebrity person cast as Roxy, she's always the one that's playing Roxy. She's a great Roxy though. And not a, not the only Roxy in the cast of Carrie. Because um Lindsay Haley, who played Carrie, has also played Roxy in Chicago. Um she played her three times in the West End in like the first version of the revival. Woo! She was so good. She's really good. I have I have the <clears throat> bootleg. I've watched it a lot. Are you
0: endorsing bootlegs on this show?
1: Not at all. (laughs) Wink, wink. That's actually wink, wink. Yeah, it's actually um, kind of an interesting discussion about bootlegs and Carrie because um, I think um, part of the legacy of Carrie really comes down to the fact that bootlegs exist. Um, Like, I feel like if bootlegs didn't exist, it would kind of fade into this kind of elusive legend. Like, what was Carrie? What went wrong? But now we know what went wrong because we have bootlegs.
0: But, but then we also have like the Heather situation where the Heather's would not be nearly as popular as it is without that very ubiquitous bootleg roaming all around.
1: Oh, absolutely not. Um, and actually, I saw an interview with Barrett Wilbert Weed quite recently where she was saying how she's glad that there's a bootleg of the show because it, um, because it's immortalized her hard work in the show, which I thought was an interesting point. I never really thought of it like that.
0: And the cast of Next to Normal, like Brian Darcy Jane specifically, is n- more indifferent about the bootlegs. But then you have oh. people like Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is very, oh. very much against bootlegs.
1: Yeah. I also like that Ben Platt, um, he's apparently one of the biggest watchers of wicked bootlegs out there. And um, I can't find the tweet for this, but allegedly he asked for a bootleg of his closing night in Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> I mean, I would. Um, but anyway, um we just kind of segued way off there. But um Back to Carrie. So
0: back on track. Yeah,
1: back to Carrie. They get to late 1987 and that's when they start casting. So um from the beginning they really wanted Betty Buckley to play Margaret, which, which she eventually did on Broadway, but um there was a whole bunch of conflicts with finance and um all that. She wasn't really available at the time. So they got Barbara Cook instead. Like, no disrespect to Barbara Cook. She's fantastic, but she's one of the first people who would tell you that she was not right for that role. Like, her voice just did not suit, but there were some songs that she was fantastic in. Like, Evening Prayers, Oh, fantastic. There's something about Barbara Cook's um, lyric soprano compared with Lindsay's mezzo-soprano that just sounds beautiful together, um, and I learned that recently when I was re-watching it again. Um, but, yeah, as you said um, in the notes for the show, you said... Um, that she was almost decapitated by a set piece, which is true. And she was just basically like, fuck this shit, I'm out.
0: But she stuck around to their show's (laughs) close.
1: She did, yeah, she did. Um, uh, The show only was on Stratford for a month, but she decided to see it through. But after that, she was like, fuck this shit, I'm out. (laughs) Um, So then by the time they got to Broadway, they were able to get Betty Buckley. And I'm so glad that they did because... She and Lindsay just have the most incredible chemistry together. They just have this amazing, like, push and pull between each other. Like, there's so much trust. There was so much trust in them. I guess because Lindsay was just starting out and she, like, she didn't really know um, what she was doing yet. Like, she'd obviously, she'd been to drama school, but she didn't really have a lot of, like, practical experience yet. And so she just trusted Betty wholly. And Betty, like, took her in, like, took her under her wing and was just like, watch me. I will teach you. I will. I will support you. Like you do. You watch what I do, and then you bring it right back. And there's that just really translates into their performances, Carrie and Margaret. And I think that's just what makes it so brilliant. It's just they're so incredible together. And I'm really glad that we have that um, immortalized forever.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's anyone you're gonna learn the ropes from, it would be Betty Buckley.
1: Oh God, yes. Um, oh God, it was it's just so incredible to see them especially in like songs like An Eva's Week like she's just like the dedication she puts into that role like i remember in an interview she was talking about how she researched um abusive relationships and how she and how like the abusive cycle works like it starts out with the anger that's demonstrated in An Eva's Week but then um, she kind of becomes the child in Evening Prayers, which comes a little bit later. So it's kind of like this never-ending cycle of um, abuse and forgiveness. Um, and, and I think that's um, really important to show in the musical, like just to kind of demonstrate that this is a repeating cycle. And that's why I kind of don't like that Evening Prayers was shortened down in the revival but we can, we'll get to the revival later.
0: <laughs> but what were the big things that went wrong in the original Stratford production?
1: Ooh, um, well, first of all, in the Stratford production, a lot of the arrangements were awful. Um, uh, one of the major examples is um, the original arrangement of I Remember How Those Boys Could Dance, which was the finale of Act One, as still is the finale of Act One, but... um just one, the key was totally not right for their vocals. Number two, it just sounded like an absolute cacophony of multiple genres, and it was just awful. I can't, it's so hard to listen to that because um, like Paul Lindsay at one point, um, they start around on a really high note and she's a mezzo and I'm like, no, stop that. Stop doing that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, my poor girl. At least, well, at least like... Um, at least she got retribution for that with the high notes in Joseph, which were amazing. Um, but yeah, just like why would you start her out on such a high note like that? I need to have a word with the composers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I need to have strong words. You do not start somebody on an F. I think it's an F. Like why would you do that
0: to? You're going to go all Patty LaPone um, on them.
1: Damn right I will. <laughs> Who do you think you are? (laughs) (laughs) This is the (laughs) theatre. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's one of the major problems. And also the structure. Like I said earlier, the structure was so off. Um, It paid so much attention to, um, to the story between Carrie and Margaret that it kind of forgot that everything else happens, even the telekinesis completely like negates that. They don't even mention the word telekinesis. They just call it a power.
0: Yeah, they- cuz I brought that up when I was talking to Andrew about this. Um and I was like, yeah, they apparently they didn't understand that she was telekinetic and he's like, how how did they just not do that? I know. So
1: Have they not read the story?
0: I mean, I'm trying to imagine going in blind and like n- not getting that conveyed and how it how much it would take for that to not be conveyed.
1: Yeah, they be like, what the fuck is this? Like, no one, no wonder, like, no wonder people gave it such negative reviews. It's just so inaccessible like that. Um, like, so people who didn't know the story, they would be like, what the absolute fuckery is this? Like, they would just go in and it would be, like, really weird 80s music, really weird effects, like, laser light show. God made it from Adam's Eve was weak, and he was weak. And I was weak, I prayed this day would never come, I should have known, I should have known, now I am alone,
0: I'm so afraid. Oh Lord, I've seen this power before, the flesh is weak and I am lost. the biggest changes from um Stratford to Broadway
1: well first of all the arrangements got a lot better um but um choreography and staging wise not a lot changed um which was kind of to their detriment because a lot of the staging um just wasn't right they just didn't change it and apparently um whenever something got a laugh they would cut it so they tried to like resist the cheesiness um whereas a lot of actors have said now that um, if they had embraced the cheesiness, then it would probably have run longer. Like they, because in cutting the cheesiness, it just made it boring. Yeah, like um, Michael Gore and Dean Pitchford and Larry Cohen, they just didn't like the fact that them the musical had been turned into an absolute cheese fest. Because if you listen to the 1984 workshop, then it's a lot like what the revival ended up being. Like it's really a better representation of what they wanted the musical to be like dark humor of course that's just Stephen King um but the but the music was a lot better um in a lot of ways and like um yeah it's just really it just really it was a lot more of a serious story than um the the eventual final product was
0: and what do you think that translation between like the dark and more dour story into like the cheesy ones what were the biggest things that led to that
1: Ooh um the choreographer um Debbie Allen she had her vision um Terry Hayans he had his vision I think it was really just a clashing of visions that led to such a disjointed story and such a disjointed tone so like the composer and the writer they had their tone then it was just um fucked with and then fucked with again so then it just ended up in this absolute cacophony
0: um carrie the musical went to broadway with an eight million dollar budget which seems like nothing now but at the time it was a crazy number
1: yeah um actually one of the only musicals that i can think of off the top of my head that beat that was spider-man turn off the dark um yeah i mean technically spider-man turn off the dark ran a lot longer than carrie by a long shot but it still flopped because of how much they put into that musical and the same deal happened with carrie and interesting fact about the budget was what happened um the reason for it closing is not solely because of the fact that um that it got negative reviews um which i mean that's a contributing factor but um what also happened was the producer um absolutely freaked out at what was going on and he took all them um he took all the investment and fled the country so he had the money so nobody got paid as far as i'm aware nobody got paid
0: shit i did not know that part
1: yeah so that's what really that's really what happened i think if um he hadn't fled the country it probably would have run longer um so i think charlotte demboise said that they got their closing notice within like a day of opening
0: my god like, i
1: might be twisting it but yes yeah, i think charlotte Damboise said that, that was so
0: even if it had premiered on opening night and got rave reviews the show would have closed
1: Um, I don't think it would have closed if it had gotten rave reviews, no. Um, I think the- What about if it got, like, more
0: middling reviews?
1: I think they did always get, um, middle reviews. Like, obviously there were the people that trashed it, but there was also people that really loved it. Like, there were, there are, believe it or not, there were actually a lot of positive reviews. Like, I remember in the, I think it was the Chicago Tribune, they said that, um, that, um, they were hoping that Lindsay would get a Tony nomination for it like well-deserved man like she was so good
0: she was so young too
1: she was 17 um and she um actually a couple of years later for joseph she got um an olivier nomination for that which is again well deserved like she really does she's really an underrated actor like she really does not get the credit that she deserves and it's and funny story, when I was watching your Christmas carol review, Yikes. I was really hoping that I would see her for like 2 seconds because she plays Mrs. Cratchit in that show, in that what? movie. What? What? Yeah. Oh my she god. She does. Yeah, that's her. Um and Ruthie Henshall plays the Ghost of Christmas Past or something. Like one of the ghosts. No, um, no, Ruthie
0: Henschel plays Scrooge's mom.
1: Yeah, Scrooge's mom, that's it. Um yeah, they were in it together, and the even funnier thing is they were both in Chicago at the time. Because <laughs> um, obviously, Lindsay was Roxy, and then um, Ruthie was Velma. So that's that just shows you Britain has twelve actors. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was I was so hoping that I would see her in there for like two seconds, but I love telling people um, that she was in things that people don't even know about. Like also, she was in the original cast of Mary Poppins. She plays the original Mrs. Banks. What? Yeah, she does. I'm and learning like, so
0: many new things today.
1: I know, and the um and like the production of Joseph she's in. That's like the most well known production. It's the one with Jason Donovan. I don't know if you know that version.
0: Um, I, I try not to know much about Joseph. I'm sorry to say.
1: I'm I'm such trash for Joseph. I love Joseph. <laughs> it's so stupid, but I love it anyway.
0: It's grown on me over time, but still.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I'd listen to that cast recording first. And then I heard watch the film with Maria Friedman. The 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 Donny Osmond one. Yeah, the <laughs> Yes. Um I'm, I'm
0: sure you then, have opinions yeah. on that.
1: Oh uh, it's so stupid, but I love it. Like, as you can tell, I love um things that are so silly that they're good. Anyway, back to Carrie. Um, what's your next question?
0: On all those reviews that came out, like there's that supercut online of like all those reviews together where it's like so bad that the other anchors are like, well, oh, at yeah. least the sun's out today.
1: <laughs> yeah, there was so histrionic about it. It was kind of funny to watch. But um, one of my favorite quotes is um, from the Stratford run, actually. Um, it was, blithely avoiding grey London, Carrie arrives in New York in spring, a bedizened whore from Thatcher's Britain.
0: Shit. <laughs>
1: And you thought that the Americans were bad on it. Like, oof. Um, the British were very classily harsh about it. Um, but another one of my favorite quotes is, well, that's pretty much bye-bye, birdie gone bonkers. <laughs> that's the yeah, most a lot British
0: of st- review I've <laughs> ever heard.
1: <laughs> that's not a British one. That's actually an American one. Fuck, man. Um, the- <laughs> It's so bad. Um, they just trashed the show. But obviously, like, audiences loved it. They loved how stupid it was. And um, Betty Buckley, she said in an interview last year that some people would turn up in drag um, as, like, dressed up as the characters. Like, that's how quick it was. That's how quick the cult following started. It was already there.
0: Wow, this could have been like a whole new Rocky Horror like style show.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it just so happened that the producer was just like, "Nope, nope, 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 no 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 no. no, no I'm out of here." And then it just closed. And um it just basically became folklore and the people who had seen the show, they just distributed the bootlegs and it just went on from there. And I heard a story where um one of the fans came up to um the composers and they they asked them to sign a copy of the bootleg
0: <laughs> was it like transported on like VHS and like probably
1: well- it was probably a tape recording like there's a lot of audio recordings of the show there's more audio recordings than um, tape than okay video recordings because there's a full recording of Stratford which I don't completely recommend and then there's only act one of Broadway because the person who was filming their battery died.
0: You did us all wrong.
1: And it was it was closing night as well, but at least we have the, the soundboard audio of the whole thing. So that's basically what I consider to be the definitive recording of Carrie in um, its original form because um, it's, like, it's good quality and it's, like, Betty and Lindsay just on fire. Everyone is on fire and the audience reactions are great. But um, there's a, there's other nights as well recorded, like, including opening night which, as you probably know, is folkloric by this point.
0: Was it, like, really terrible? I don't really know what happened opening night.
1: Okay, well, I will tell you what happened on opening night. So the audience reactions have basically become legend for that, especially for what happened um, at Bows. So as soon as the lights went down for the finale, they, um, the audience started to boo, and they were booing on and on and on and um in the dark they were both like betty and Lindsay. were both like what do we do what do we do and betty was like we get up and we bow and they did and as soon as they did standing ovation
0: (laughs) (laughs) why do you think that is why do you think that like mixed reaction like literally bipolar uh, reaction that's
1: just that just shows you how like crazy they were they um i've I haven't actually listened to the finale myself or I haven't had the courage to. I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to hear, like, these, these horrible reactions to my baby. Um, but I have heard other parts of it. Um, like, I've heard Anne Eve was weak, I've heard Carrie. I've heard um, the, the fina- uh, act one finale um, and the destruction. So, for example, at the end of Carrie, they applaud for a good 30 seconds.
0: Wow. Like,
1: a rapturous applause and like that's what she deserves um so that just goes to show you and then in the middle of i'm not alone which was um which was carry solo in act two you could just hear them laughing and commenting it's great it's really interesting like that particular recording you can just hear everybody like talking about it very clearly so it's quite funny to listen to
0: I don't think we have to go on about the Broadway show. It did not go well. Um, the only thing I do want to bring up before we talk about how it closed and all that is mm-hmm. that commercial they made for the Carey musical.
1: about it last night um but because I was looking through like I said I was going through my old Carrie stuff and I found that again I was just like oh it's glorious it's so 80s and the girl who's posing is Carrie that's not even Lindsay (laughs) like because if it was we would see the outline of her her incredibly 80s hair (laughs) um it was so 80s and like I know some people can escape their 80s hair I feel so bad that she can't Because that's one of our most well-known shows, and it still keeps coming up. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. We know
0: your hair looks good <laughs> now.
1: Ugh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um. That commercial. Like, it's it's so interesting. Like, it's so not the tone of what the actual production was. It's more like what I assume the '84 workshop would have been. Like, it's darker and it's weird and it's creepy. Like it's so not representative of the show, but I still love it anyway because it's so 80s.
0: I'm just I watched that commercial and I'm like, who is the target audience for this?
1: I know! I know, it's so strange. Like, who is this directed to? Is it directed to horror movie fans? Like, this doesn't look like a mu- a trailer for a musical. Like, I've seen like I've seen a lot of trailers for musicals, like, um, Like, the Sweeney Todd one, that's perfect. That perfectly represents what the musical was. Like, it's dark, and it's also funny, and it's also got a part of the song in there. Like, yeah, it's it's like a perfect representation of what we got. But then with Carrie, it's just like this random girl in a bathroom with, like, flashing lights. Like, what the fuck?
0: The video's so grainy, I didn't even know it was a bathroom.
1: Yeah, I... I I think it's a bathroom like it looks like a bathroom I can't even really tell because um I'm used to potato quality videos for Carrie at
0: this point Hi, guys. Sorry to bother you in the middle of a podcast, but I'm just here to remind you to please subscribe to our show on iTunes and leave us a review. It really helps us out. Also, please go to our new YouTube channel, Musical Theater Lives, which is brand new, rebranded altogether. So check that out, please. As well, you can follow us on social media. Just look us up. We'd love to have conversations with you. And yeah, I'm being a horrible shill right now, as Andrew would say if he were here. So let's get you back to it. Thank you for listening. For the love. in his eyes, and he took me and touched me. I tried to Christ. Mama, please listen, to don't hear a word that I said. Say, babe, you your father said you were dead. And the sin never goes. Please, stop. you're not going. I've already said I would. I said yes. Then say no. Tell him you've changed your mind. Mama, come back! The rain's coming in. I have to close the windows. I'll get them. Woo! Ah! All right. So, um, in 2012, the show was actually revived off Broadway. Isn't that yeah. cool? That never happens. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, they'd been working on a revival of it for a little while. Like, rumors had been dating as far back as, like, 2006, 2007 because it had gained popularity again because, um, I don't know if you know the singer Natalie Weiss. Um, well, yeah, she's, um, she's responsible for this um, series on YouTube called Breaking Down the Riffs. But um, in college she did a cover of I'm Not Alone um, and that kind of went viral so I think that's definitely a contributing factor to its popularity on the internet like there was fan sites for years and I thank them for their services for giving me all this information about the production even though a lot of the links on the website are now dead um but I'm 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 just so indebted to them um I'm just really happy that um we have that information out there from them I'm so grateful like I wouldn't be the caring nerd that I am today without them. Um, but yeah, they had a workshop in 2009 with, um, Molly Ranson and the recently deceased Marin Maisie.
0: May she rest in just, peace. Oh,
1: may she rest in peace. It's just so awful that, um, she passed away so young. Um, and then there was a bunch of other people like Jennifer Damiano was in it, um, from next to normal.
0: Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, who is she? Was she Carrie? Was yeah. she Sue? Was she Chris?
1: Oh, um, I can't remember. She was either Sue or Chris. I can't remember off the top of my head. She'd be a great but, um, Sue. I think she might have actually been Sue.
0: She would have been Yeah, good. she was
1: Sue. I'm pretty sure she was Sue. Um, but, yeah, even then, um, the musical was still quite um, different. Like, it was a whole different incarnation. Like, they had some wonderfully stupid lyrics. Like, um, the new version of the opening song, In, was it was kind of like the original version, kind of like what it ended up being. It was a weird amalgamation and it had really terrible lyrics. Like, uh like my favorite lyrics in there are football star, real fast car, God, I sound like some cliche. I run track, I wear black. Shit, I hope that no one thinks that I'm gay.
0: High school worries, right?
1: High school worries, hashtag relatable.
0: That's aged well.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I thought it was quite interesting hearing Molly Ranson singing a lot of the versions of the songs that were in the original. Like, um, they still had the original version of evening prayers at that point. So hearing her sing that was so strange. It was not in her range either. I'm sorry, Molly, but you can't sing low notes like that. Um, but like I like Molly, like she really did work hard on um producing the best kind of Carrie White that she could. But honestly, like I don't like she's not my favorite interpretation of Carrie. Like she, a lot of people have described her vocals as just yelling. <laughs> so then, when I introduce people who've seen the revival to the original, they're all like, "I like her, I like her better." And I'm like, "Thank you, thank, thank you. That makes me very happy." Um,
0: my favorite's Keaton. So oh,
1: Keaton's so good. I haven't seen the full version of that show partly because of her. Um, what I saw of Alice Ripley was really disappointing.
0: Um like uh, Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, like she's this is Alice Ripley. What is going on? But Kitten Whitaker, she was so good. I really hope that she goes on to more things. But my favorite version of the revival is actually the LA production. Really? <clears throat> Not that I've heard rip legs of that. It's intense. It is really intense. Um, like after that version of an Eva's week, I had to just pause it and be like, whoo <laughs> yeah I needed a moment to recover um but it was just it was just fantastic like um Emily Lopez and Misty Cotton were just great a great pairing together but back to the revival um yeah they brought that back in early 2012 and um and it still had mixed reviews I feel like they they like a lot of other people were just like they feel like something was missing from it like that kind of sense of fun like they took out what made it memorable and they just kind of sterilized it a little bit they made it very generic like it sounds a lot like spring awakening like it doesn't sound very distinctly carry anymore that's why like I have a problem with a lot of the new arrangements
0: um, if, like, the original I felt like was trying, it, they're both trying to parrot what was going on in the day. The original was parroting the big budget Broadway musicals like Les Mis or Phantom, even though it was a little probably I never Broadway actually thought Phantom. of being
1: a parody, to be honest. Like, I never, I never really considered it like that.
0: Because uh, like back then, all the musicals had to have the big set piece for um, *Miss Saigon*. It was the helicopter that everyone would talk about for *Les Mis*. The barricade, um, *Phantom*, the chandelier, and for this, it was supposed to be that amazing light show that would happen. And oh, it's so
1: glorious!
0: And then you'd have the big, the big orchestra making you hit your head to the back of the theater. Um, And that was just the musicals of the time. And then in more modern times, like the more intimate musicals, like even the more recent Revival of Godspell, Spring Awakening, Bear, um, those are the new hotness, (laughs) as they say. And then Carrie adapted into that.
1: Yeah, that's true. Like it's very pared down like a lot of other musicals are these days. Like they've got that kind of popish rock sound. Like it's very distinctive of um, this kind of, um climate that we have in musicals like a lot of musicals sound like that but now I think nowadays like now that we've got musicals from Pesach and Paul like there's a whole other sound coming in there's like the very almost like pop style like like conventional pop coming in like you hear stuff from Dear Evan Hansen or even um The Greatest Showman and you think that just sounds like anything I could hear on the radio
0: and I'm not sure that's exactly a good thing but
1: No, I don't like it. I've got
0: a lot of opinions on Pesek and Paul, another Michigan group. Yeah,
1: so do I. (laughs) Um, I like um, Dogfight by Pesek and Paul. I really like Edges as well, which is one of their earlier musicals.
0: You see, I can't find um, Edges anywhere. Like, I I mean, really? I I tried looking.
1: I got it on Reddit.
0: Oh, please do, because I keep looking on (laughs) Apple Music, because that's how I listen to all my Broadway shows, and I'm like, it's not here.
1: Yeah, there's no official recording. It's just demos. Um, they've had other productions of it, like, but it's never really been a full-scale production. Like, Even in the UK, they had a version which had, um, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but Carrie Hope Fletcher was in it. Yes, I know her. Yeah, yeah, she was in that. Um, she's currently
0: in Heather's, so isn't that, she?
1: Yeah, she's playing Veronica Sawyer right now.
0: Ooh, she looks great in that.
1: Oh, yeah, she, um, like, out of what I've seen, she looks fantastic. <sighs> Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it's such an interesting climate we have in musical theatre these days. Like, there are, um, like, the main problem that I have with it a lot these days is that there's so many jukebox musicals. Um, like, I mean, some of them are good. I just listened to Head Over Heels and it was fantastic. Um, but I think that's because it's not really, like, telling the life story of the musical. <clears throat> Looking at you, Jersey boys.
0: Oh, and um, carol king and um oh, what's that new one the donna summers one
1: Sonna, i'm actually kind of curious about summer um i need to listen to that um i kind of like the idea of having the different um eras of donna summer like the same with um the share show um but i don't like the ones that just tell the story of their life like we could just watch a documentary. We don't need a jukebox musical about that. There's so many more. There's so many better properties that we could dedicate our time to.
0: I agree. Like hell.
1: Even SpongeBob had a more interesting idea of um what to do with a musical.
0: Like I'm they... one of the 3 SpongeBob defenders in the world.
1: Oh, come on. There's probably more than 3 SpongeBob defenders in the <laughs> world. Like have you have you been on Stan Twitter? Like, they're everywhere. Like, a lot of, I think it's really a lot of young people who like Spongebob. Like, I listened to it, and me as an old fart at 23 was like, yeah, nah, I can't get into this. Um, Like, I respect what they're doing, though. I really liked Gavin Lee as Squidward. He was really funny. Um, But I don't really, I don't know, the music didn't really do it for me.
0: The music wasn't what sold me. I mean, it had effort. Like, obviously, it wasn't thrown yeah. together. And it felt yeah. like they wanted to make something good. And it came off effectively. Like, it all felt yeah. equally as effective. And here's where I'm going to go on my SpongeBob rant in my Carrie video. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sick time. of
0: kids not having anything to do on Broadway. Like, families are 100% of what go touring around New York, and they have kids, and you can't take them all to see Wicked because that's sold out every night. Um, (laughs) Lion King, you can see that anywhere. Like, it'll come to your town no matter what. So I think we should, like, have things that kids would be mildly interested in on Broadway if we want to survive. And I think if you're going to put the effort into it, like I believe SpongeBob did, and make it quality despite, like having it aimed at kids, younger kids and families, um, mm. I think that's something to be appreciative of as opposed to, like, shitting on it and having the snobbish outlook on it. Yeah, like,
1: I do respect that um, the way that they did SpongeBob was quite interesting. Like, they didn't just have people in cardboard cutouts of the characters. <laughs> they had very interesting looks for them. Like, I like the fact that they kind of mixed the human aspect and the cartoon aspect. And I think, um, oh, the guy who plays SpongeBob, Ethan something uh ethan ethan uh whoever whoever his name is um he was ethan
0: slater is that his name
1: ethan slater ethan slater that's it he was great as spongebob like he had that cartoon aspect to spongebob but he was also very human like i have like like i said i haven't listened to the full show yet but what i have seen like i have i have like it's pretty good it's
0: i mean good the stuff. stakes are raised like high enough that it's like okay this is worth telling uh outside of the tv show world And the characters, they decide to give arcs. And it works a lot better than, say, like a Simpsons musical would.
1: Oh, God, I don't want to think about that.
0: (laughs) Done by Pasek and Paul.
1: No, (laughs) no, don't even say it because then they'll hear us and then it'll happen and we don't want that to happen. Like they've already fucked with Barnum. We have a musical about Barnum and it's a lot better. (laughs) Like you've probably seen me on Twitter just talking about how we need to revive Barnum. Mm -hmm. It needs to happen.
0: No, they're going to (laughs) adapt Greatest Showman into a stage show.
1: Uh, Oh, kill me. (laughs) Like, at least Australia has some sense. They're reviving Barnum next year. Um, and it's, I'm really excited about it. Like, because it's going to be in my city. And I'm like, it's not on Broadway with Rala Spaza playing Barnum, but it's still Barnum. Thank you, Australia. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. there's a lot of good stuff coming to Australia this year. Uh, I mean, not this year, next year. Like, we've got Waitress coming, we've got Come From Away, Barnum. What else have we got coming oh oh there's an australian premiere of kiss of the spider woman oh and shit caroline o'connor is playing aurora
0: that's gonna be amazing
1: <laughs> so excited i can't wait to go and see it because um i haven't i didn't get the chance to see caroline in wizard of art i mean not *Wizard of Oz, in boy from Oz*. yeah um i heard she was fantastic because um what they do in australia there's this production company um in melbourne that they do um, interesting shows, but they only have them on for, like, two weeks. So one of the most recent ones they did was Boy From Oz, and they had um, they had Caroline O'Connor as um, as Judy Garland. And um, they also did, what else did they do? They did Oklahoma, and they had Anna O'Byrne playing Laurie. <coughs> Anna O'Byrne from um, Love Never Dies.
0: Oh, um, I've been pronouncing seen. her last name wrong this entire time
1: have you said it
0: i'm just americanized and i'm like anna o'brien <laughs>
1: <laughs> no it's yeah it's oburn see if um, i say
0: that with an australian accent it sounds fine but now i'm just gonna say anna O'Burn.
1: <laughs> i've actually i've got a friend who loves um of love never dies and i got her into australian theater so that's how I've really come to appreciate Australian theatre a lot more. And um, and back to Carrie, I actually did see Carrie here a few years ago. Um, they did it in a really small theatre called Chapel of Chapel. And um, that was four years ago. And it was a really small scale production compared to um, what the original production was, which was in the huge um, August Wilson Theatre, which back then was known as the Virginia Theatre. Um, so, yeah, I think it really... It's, re- it's really a lot better put on in smaller theatres. Like, um, the theatre they did, the Lucille Lottel theatre was a lot smaller and also Chapel of Chapel is a really tiny theatre. Like, um, when I saw a show there recently, I saw Falsettos, I was in the front row and I was literally like 30 centimetres from the actors. Like, it's it's a lot more of an intimate show and I think it really lends itself to small theatres.
0: I, I agree. But we are running low on time, so let's go on to oh, our no! final topic. <laughs>
1: Riverdale. Uh, Everyone's favorite. (laughs) I've heard whisperings that some of you ensemble vultures don't think I'm fit to play or sing the role of Carrie White. Maestro?
0: Okay, Uh, Cheryl. That's
1: not my name. Uh, Cheryl. I hear that word sounding so sweet. Thousands of voices forever repeat. yay Riverdale I have a lot of things to say about Riverdale um I on the day it happened I knew I just knew even before the show came out like I'd seen a little bit of a snippet of um Cheryl singing Carrie and I was just like oh no oh no they are not gonna fuck with my show like this they're not gonna do this
0: hashtag yikes (laughs)
1: Yeah, so um, the day it came out, um, first of all, I did a little thread about it. Like educating people in the show and then I just went to straight on trashing the episode of Riverdale <laughs> um <laughs> like I watched it and I was literally like spent about the whole time just yelling at my screen going that's not the words stop censoring the words stop fucking with my show like this was the way that they did it like why would you do a show with lots of swearing and stuff in it if you have to censor it like the same goes for Glee when they did the Rocky Horror Show like why would you censor a show like that?
0: And the but, Glee one makes me more mad because, like, fucking transvestite's not a bad word.
1: Nah! Sensational Transylvania, get out of here! Like, I watched Glee last year and I still got shitty about the Rocky Horror Glee Show episode because, like, the point of Frankenfurter is that he's, like, um, that he's played by a man. But it's like it's it's a gen it's a gender bending role. Like I don't understand why they got Mercedes to play Frankenfurter.
0: They would have been interested if they dressed her like a man. Like that would have been yeah. a nice, nice Maybe a they nice could have spin had a on
1: striking. That would have been great. Like why didn't they do that? That would have been fantastic.
0: I suggested that um, a long time ago when it first aired and I did like a next day video on it. And uh, that doesn't exist anymore.
1: <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> it's such a mis such a missed opportunity though like they could have done so much good with it like ryan murphy is a really great like um writer like i really like his show nip tuck like he did a lot of interesting stuff with nip tuck but then glee happened and i think like along the way he kind of just lost it
0: well i do like his american crime story like um oh i
1: haven't seen that yet
0: yeah, it's real. I it started this whole O.J. Fra- craze that happened. And oh, my, yeah, my girlfriend's a huge fan of a fan fan of American Horror Story.
1: <sighs> Fran. <huh?
0: laughs> um, but yeah, and those range from like the worst thing I've ever seen to really good.
1: Yeah, um, I've seen the first like three seasons of American Horror Story. And it was good. But then I got to the start of season four, which was Freak Show. And then I was just like, no, I'm out of here. I don't want to see people like having a circle joke around Jessica Lang anymore. I'm out of here.
0: Well, now she's gone. And then they, in season five, did a circle joke around Lady Gaga.
1: Oh, yeah. I heard about that. Um, everyone was like, oh my God, Lady Gaga was amazing. I mean, Lady Gaga's incredibly talented. I'm really glad that she's getting the recognition that she deserves in a different way than what she used to. Like, I like her kind of pared down um, attitude that she has nowadays. Like, instead of just being known for the crazy shit, like, I think, like, it's weird seeing her actual face.
0: I've always been a fan because I'm lame.
1: <laughs> oh, come on. Like, I've I've been a fan of Lady Gaga, like, around when she started. Like, I remember... When she first started, my ringtone on my phone, my old Nokia, oh yeah, baby, was, and um, nothing else I could say.
0: Yeah, I mean, I loved her party songs.
1: Oh yeah, they were classics. Now um,
0: back to Riverdale.
1: Anyway, back to Riverdale. <laughs> Why do we keep going on like these little <laughs> tangents? That's just what you get when you talk to me. Um, I
0: know.
1: <laughs> so yeah, Andrew God doesn't do this.
0: Andrew is. replies with three to four <laughs> words, and then I keep going.
1: And then there's and then there's me. <laughs> um, that's what you. That's what you get. Um, so basically, uh, the Riverdale episode, like the fact I like, I have a lot of respect for the fact that they chose Carrie out of all the musicals they could have chosen, like because. It would have been so easy to just pick a musical like West Side Story or Grease or anything else, but they chose Carrie of all things. And I think it's kind of coincidental that this year is also the 30th anniversary of Carrie. Like it came out uh, 30 years ago now. Um, And like, obviously it did the show dirty, but I think it really brought um, Carrie to a new audience. Unfortunately, a lot of that audience thought that Riverdale made Carrie up.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of those where it's, like, this ripped off Riverdale. And I'm sorry, I'm still baffled oh. at the premise of Riverdale. Adapting Archie Comics to be this dark, gritty bullshit? What?
1: Oh, God. Just, like, I just... Like, the people who were just like, oh, my God, this is the best thing in the world. Cheryl is just such a beautiful singer. Don't lie to yourself.
0: was <laughs> <Cheryl's awful. laughs>
1: <laughs> Just as soon as she... um said um the start of the title song of Carrie I was just like fuck right off get out of here no that's not how you sing it like that like you're doing you're doing such disrespect to such a great song and they didn't even have any of the good songs like they didn't even have songs like "An Eve they didn't have it they only had like half of evening prayers they didn't have um I remember how this boys go dance or even when there's no one like, I think the mother character would have sung a great when there's no one, but no, they just had Stay Here Instead, which is like a tiny song in the middle of Act Two. <sighs> that's just, that just really gave me the shits. Like, they had all the songs that, like, honestly, I, I, I completely forget about. Like, a lot of their new songs I just completely forget about. Um, that's But that's just me being um, original musical trash um like there's a lot of the new songs that I feel are quite unmemorable like a lot of people really like them and I get it but like I always forget that they exist um because I'm just in my little um original cast bubble because I just love that show so much that's the musical that that's the version of the musical that I have that connection to um because that's the one that um, made me fall in love with the show and usually I find that it's the other way around. Like um, people, I start people off when I'm showing people the show, I always start them off with the revival. And then if they really like that, I'll be like, hey, so here's the original. So um, that's really how I wrote people into my little world.
0: That's how you wrote me into it. Like I watched the revival, then I listened to the, um, I don't know which one you sent me, but it was the original.
1: Um, That was the Broadway soundboard. That's Closing Night. That's what I, like I said before, that's what I consider to be the definitive version.
0: It was great. That was a fantastic listen.
1: Yay! I'm so happy. I love I love it when people love the original especially. That makes me really happy.
0: I mean, I love both of them for both their faults and their um, positives.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there's things about even the Stratford version with Barbara Cook that I love. Um... Like I love the way I love her more tender moments as Margaret, whereas I like Betty Buckley's moments of absolute fury. Um, And then I love Marin Maisie's kind of like mixture of the two. Like sometimes she's really fierce, and then sometimes she's just really tender. Like um, everyone, all the people who've played the role have brought their own kind of um, spin on it. Um, Like even Maureen McGovern, who played Margaret in the workshop, she um, she just spitfires. Excuse me, yeah, she just bloody spitfires um some of the songs, like Annie was weak. It was just like bam, 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 bam. Um, I, yeah, I really like. She just goes off, and it's fantastic. Like she and Annie Golden are just a great pairing too. Like, um, I would say that my top three: um, Carrie and Margaret's, um, Betty Buckley and Lindsay Hayley, obviously, um. Maureen McGovern and Annie Golden, and then Misty Cotton and um Emily Lopez. Those are my those are my three favorites. And um when you're getting into the show, I absolutely recommend those three. Because um they're just so representative of um Carrie and Margaret for me.
0: You're not recommending bootlegs, are you? <laughs> no,
1: not at all. But technically the workshop isn't a bootleg. Fair enough. <laughs> Not at all. I definitely will not send you any bootlegs, only legal recordings of the show. Trust me, you gotta help me. I can even have these dead.
0: And we could both get carry white a night she won't forget. Do me a favor both. So, I know you're not Andrew and you're not the one that comes up with this, but What are your overall thoughts on Carrie and what is your cheese rating?
1: Ooh. Well, my overall thoughts on Carrie is it's, uh, well, it comes with the territory. It's an absolute cheese fest in the original, but um, then the cheese just kind of, it's, oh, no, I've got a good description for the revival. It's (laughs) (laughs) lactose-free. Yeah, the revival is lactose-free while um, the original is complete full cream dairy cheese.
0: All right. I I think that's great. That's a fantastic description.
1: So my cheese rating is like six out of five.
0: (laughs) Six out (laughs) of five cheese.
1: Yes. Oh, yes.
0: Jess, if people want to get in contact with you or they want to catch you, is there anything you want to shill out there for them to come and look and find you?
1: I do. Um, So I have a YouTube channel that I, you know, occasionally upload silly little compilations to. It's called Not Another Theatre Trash Channel. And, um, my Twitter is, um, mama underscore just Carrie.
0: All right. So let me do the basic outro stuff. Um, I think Carrie is great. <laughs> um, it has issues. Every version of it has issues, but I think it is a fine watch and probably the best way to hear the story. Like I, I haven't seen the films, but I have read the original book and I think it is the most effective way to get inside the character head. if y'all seen my most recent, um, video essay, you'll know that.
1: But you haven't seen the film?
0: I haven't seen any of the films, no.
1: Oh, my God.
0: I read the book. That was it.
1: Oh, what? Oh, just watch, watch the 76 film. It's fantastic.
0: I love Sissy Spacek and I loved Brian De Palma, but like oh. it was a different because me and Andrew recorded. He had seen the film. I had read the book and then we're ah. both going into the musical. So I was like, oh, I want yeah, that different yeah. mindset. Yeah, there's
1: like there's elements of the book and the movie in the musical. But um, I think especially in the revival, particularly the book.
0: All right so um thank you for listening and um it- Please rate us on iTunes, subscribe to us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, and a bunch of other crap. We're at Musicals with Cheese. Um, follow us on Twitter, ask us questions. We'll answer them eventually at Cheesy Musicals. Um, the Instagram, uh, Musical Theater Lives. I post a bunch of crap on there. Take a look at that. Also, the YouTube page. I'm sure you all know about that, Musical Theater Lives. Email us with as many questions. If you want Jess to come back on, please um, email us at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com.
1: Thank you so much for having me from all the way across the world. Yes,
0: yeah, she was wonderful. And now she's got to go off to uni because like the time zone differences are so different.
1: Yeah, it's 12 in the afternoon over here right now.
0: <laughs> it's late at night here in Michigan.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, it's it took so long for us to get together to do this just because of the time zone. So we're finally here. We've finally done it. Thank you so much.
0: It was worth it. You're wonderful. You are oh, a joy. Like this oh is the first God. conversation we've ever had. And it, yeah. it like flowed <laughs> so well. That I was know, a little worried. Because I've am always had fans like say, I want to do this. I want to do that. And it just didn't feel right. And this is the first time where <laughs> yeah. it just it felt right when I was like, come yeah. on, let's do this.
1: Yeah. Um, like, honestly, in my head, I am geeking out. But like, honestly, it's just been such a nice conversation.
0: Thank you for listening. Jess, thank you for coming on. Thank you. All right. This was Musicals with Cheese. We'll see you next time.